Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing okay. How about you, Mitch? Good, good. It's a, it's a day early. We usually record on Wednesday, but we're recording Tuesday this week. Um, Going to be tied up with some meetings, editor meetings. If something major happens on the recruiting front with signing day only about a week away, week what, nine days away, we, we might come back with a later episode, episode later in the week, or if not, we'll just... Uh, Come back maybe Monday. We haven't really talked about it. maybe Monday or just signing the, the night of signing day. We'll figure something out. But uh, um, good show today. Um, nothing earth shattering in the past week. Ari, just like a lot of little things, a lot of big commitments, a lot of big flips, uh, more movement on the coaching show, coaching carousel. We're going to get into Dion. We're going to get into your story on Dion's big flip from Saturday night. And we'll have some trivia. So yeah, before the, the two biggest things I think that happened over the week, and we'll get to them are Ruben Owens uh, flip and Keon Keeley to Alabama. But did you ever think you would be texting someone and the response would be like, I can't talk now because I'm eating dinner with Coach Prime? Uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, it was an interesting quick week here. Um, and I got to tell you, Mitch, I'm pretty excited to see how this all pans out. Like, it's just an interesting uh, situation, and it's a higher unlike anything that we've seen in college football maybe ever, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, I don't, I didn't write this, but I was thinking, like, does Dion instantly legitimize wherever he is the way a coach that's won national championships would at a new place? It's like, name another coach that could go to Colorado and then automatically makes them as newsworthy as they are. Like everything that they do. And it's like, is so you're telling me that, and I think you're right, that the only coach that could have the same impact by being hired at a new place that's in the middle of nowhere and doesn't have a strong history of recruiting and has no in-state talent is the greatest coach of all time. Like I, I was and thinking Ur- Deion Sanders, 6 million bucks or whatever it is. Like, I feel like that, is a bargain for Colorado. Yeah. What about Urban Meyer? I think that the, the combination of his past success and the controversy he would come with wrapped up into one, but I would still go Saban one, Dion two, Urban three. Like, I think Dion's more newsworthy nationally. Yeah. I mean, I guess if Dabo Sweeney went to a new place or Kirby Smart went to a new place. Like those are the guys that would not not like. I don't think we we wouldn't be planning like week long. We, I don't know. Stories. Kirby Smart's I, a dog. Like if Kirby yeah. Smart went, yeah. If Kirby Smart went to Colorado, we would be. Well, okay. If he if he went after winning two straight national championships, yeah. but we, like I'm, the the point I guess what we're trying to make isn't so much about who would, you know, garner this much attention. It's the fact that Dion does. Yeah. You know, and I think that. You know, there, I, I noticed in the comments of the stories this week, Mitch, that a lot of people seem to be like, wait till this house of cards falls or all hype, no substance. A lot of like negative comments toward it. 
And, you know, I guess I can understand that because Dion is a flashy dude and, you know, people are on a high alert for the types of players that they'll be able to flip and all that stuff. But like for the amount of money, like that Colorado is spending, I don't know that they could have gotten a better coach to make their program relevant faster. Yeah, it's, I totally agree. And, um, it's like already working, isn't it? Yeah. Like I'm pretty good friends with our rabbi. He's my age and his son, shy goes to Colorado. He's a huge sports fan. And like, I've felt bad for shy because like, he's going to a college, like a cool big state school. And they've been so bad at football. So I texted the other day. I said, does shy have Dion fever? He said, Oh yeah. So, I mean, I think it's probably energized the student body. It's, it's energized everyone. Um, like it's not within the realm. It's, it's within the realm of possibility that Dion Sanders could do really well in the portal this cycle, um, sign three or four more blue chip prospects and Colorado could be, a seven or eight win team next year, uh, that's, right? They need help on the line of scrimmage. And I, I was talking to uh, our colleague, Antonio Morales about this, who, you know, covers USC covers the pack 12. They need big time help on the line of scrimmage. They, I don't care what type of skill you get. If you can't block anyone, like their, their first game, exactly with Utah what Antonio be, said about USC before it started too. Well, they, well, they, their offensive line was actually better than people expected. And they were up for the Joe Moore award, but their first game against Utah could be a bloodbath if they don't get more help on the line. But I'm pro Dion. I, I think he is. If you had to ask me, will he succeed or will he not succeed? I'm definitely in the will he succeed camp. I just think the short yeah, term. Maybe the short term. Yeah. USC was a four and eight team that had some talent, not in the right spot. Colorado was whatever they were two and. I, I don't and know USC the has the best player in the country on their team, too. right? So like, I'm not, not trying to make that. A, I'm not trying to draw a comparison from USC to Colorado in the sense that I think that Colorado could be a playoff team next year, but I think it's interesting how quickly you can flip a roster now. And if anybody can flip a roster, Deion Sanders can flip it. Now, the thing that I think is most interesting about this um, discussion, and I'm, I'm really excited to get your take on it is what is success there? You know, because I don't think he has to go to Colorado and win a national title for him to be a successful person, you know, or in his position. I don't want to put the cart before the horse and say if he wins two, 10 games in two seasons or whatever, he's going to go to the next big job. But, like, what do you think success looks like? Because personally speaking, I've written more about, about Colorado in the past three days than I had my entire career combined. Just a little inside baseball here, how, how things work at The Athletic. We in, in our The way we tag our stories, like all of our stories get tagged college football and they get tagged with any team that he writes about. And I've been working with you for – two and a half years now covering recruiting this past week was the first time literally I've ever tagged Colorado for a story. Yeah. And it's not even like a bad or a good thing. It just wasn't relevant. They were just, it wasn't, I don't know if relevance tonight, they're not even interesting. Like there was nothing to write about, you know, like I've written about Vanderbilt and Tulane and like, I mean, I write about everybody, but there was just nothing there from a, attention standpoint, I think you could make the case that Colorado has already gotten a return on on its investment. And I think the one thing that I don't doubt for sure, especially in the 24 cycle is that Dion will be able to get guys. So the question I have for you is what is a successful tenure for Dion Sanders at Colorado in your mind? I think it's easier to judge in the post USC UCLA PAC 12 world, because I think it's there for the taking. Like Washington has a great coach in Kalen DeBoer. They're not going anywhere. Oregon, with the way they recruit, is not going anywhere. Um, after that, there's no reason Colorado can't be a consistent upper-tier 
Pac-12 program and win a league title with Dion there over four or five years. And then if you win the league title, or or even if you're second, you're flirting with the playoff. Like and we, you, you and Max kind of joked, made fun of me last week when I said this. And I know he's not recruiting kids that are my age, but this is a program that won a national title when I when I was in college. Like this is a program. It's not it's not Washington State. It's not Oregon State, who are both solid programs. They're not in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they might be geographically, but Colorado is a program that has been on the map, has won it, sustained success probably what over year a decade. Was it, that was 1990, I believe. But they, they were relevant all through the 90s. And, you know, Gary Barnett was there. It was that's scary McCart- that that was 30 years ago now? Uh, I've kind of moved. It, it did for a while, but I've kind of moved past that, you know. Um, I'm just old. Real quick, I'm, I'm looking up Colorado's year by year. Do you know, a little fun fact, I was at Deion Sanders' first major league home run when he had his first major league home run for the Yankees. I was at Yankee Stadium. That's pretty cool. Yeah, line drive right field. I remember it well. Where were you um, sitting? I was sitting about six rows up. I had perfect view. Like I was six rows up behind the visitors' dugout, so I had a perfect, perfect view of it. So, Bill McCartney won a national title in 1990. They won no fewer than eight games over the next five years. Then they were up and down, up and down. Then Gary Barnett, ten wins, nine wins, eight wins, seven wins, and, and then you know. So th- th- this is a program that, for about twelve years, had sustained success. So. Um, it's not that foreign there, but obviously, as as others have committed resource to that school, they have not. It's just not the same place anymore. I mean, the sport. So right, right. I'm not saying that they can't be good, but I'm saying that the thing that is interesting about Dion is that he completely changes the entire dynamic of it because it's not about conference anymore or recruiting territory or uh, how easily it is to get people on campus. Like Dion Sanders is an equalizer to the things that were working against Colorado. Yes. And there aren't a lot of people who can be the equalizer. And I think that'd be like an interesting column, like honestly, of just like how many coaches in college football can throw all of the disadvantages a program has working against it into the garbage from day one and get people to get excited about Colorado. And it's like, you know, I think there's a lot of speculation that if this goes well or Dion proves that he can like, – let's just say Dion Sanders signs four top 100 players at Colorado between now and next Wednesday. It's probably not going to happen. But if it did, does he ever have to take another job anywhere else? Like if you are if you are acquiring talent at a level that gets you into that position, now you might get more money at a place like Alabama or – you know, Auburn or Georgia or Ohio state, if these jobs open in the next five, 10 years. But like, if you have it humming somewhere, why would you ever leave? All he need, all he cared about was being a power five coach. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, we used to have discussions about, well, could he take the Auburn job or the Florida state job or stay at Jackson state and be patient? Like Deion Sanders knew to himself that it didn't matter. As long as they had a really nice locker room, power five resources and finances and access to the playoff that he could build it anywhere. And I think that that to me, it's just like he's the best bargain in college football when it comes to what they're paying him. Because they they could have paid somebody four and a half, five million to go in there and fail again, but they got like the biggest name they possibly could have. And now every single thing he does is newsworthy. So what, what, what do you always say about Clemson and Dabo? He's one of a very very short list that made the move from good program to elite. And now Dabo obviously would never leave Clemson because he's got it built into a national power has won two titles. Now, Colorado has obviously a long way to go to keep him to get to where Clemson was, but that's kind of your point. 
almost every power five job with the right coach, you can say, why would you leave? If you get it to its peak, it can compete for national championships. It's a, it's a lot easier in some places, but to your point, if Dion can get it to that point, you're saying he should stay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his personal goals are in terms sure. of where he wants to live. I would live say you never know what makes a guy tick. But you I do like, think maybe that it is possible there. that Colorado could be a Clemson in 10 years. Yeah. Like, could, could Colorado make the semifinals of the college football playoff six out of 10 years between 2033 and 2043? Like, would you bet your life against that? No, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet my life for or against it. But I would bet my life that Colorado would not make the playoff six out of ten years two days ago, uh, in any ten year period in the next fifteen years. Okay, it's like an impossibility, and I think bringing Dion in makes anything potentially possible. So, will it work? Everybody's, I don't know. Maybe it won't. The one thing I do know is, is that he's going to get guys. That's the hardest part of being a head coach. And once he does, does he have a coaching staff that he's willing to listen to? That was my next and, point. And great all the things so that um, he's made great hires. Like they have a, a I love the Sean coach who yeah. uh, had one of the most exciting offenses in college football to watch leading his offense voluntarily. Like if he, and, and had, having a head coach on your staff can, you know, help you kind of navigate things that maybe he's had to deal with in the past too. Like you have the potential to do some good things there and Colorado could have hired 90 other people and none of those 90 people would have put them in a position where anything is possible. Um, so I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see. And, um, you know, certainly what he does is going to be newsworthy for the foreseeable future. You know, another hire that kind of falls into that latter category that you were just talking about there. And there, I do want to go back to, to Ruben Owens and Karen Keeley. Do you know who Purdue just hired? Who? Ryan Walters. Okay. Defensive coordinator at Illinois. Highly respected. But you know where he went to college? Colorado. <laughs> There's the connection and he, there. And he, and he could have he could have yeah. gone there. And then if he would have, it would have been like, okay, well, we, we wouldn't be talking up about in two it right years now. when it's yeah. the new coach. Yeah. yeah, it's like hopefully he does well, but we don't know enough That's about it. That's actually him. a really good lead for should I write a column about this? I don't know. I know you have a you have a uh work conference coming up, but like it is like you could like write a perfect lead of like you see this guy that just got hired to be Purdue's defensive coordinator or head coach or whatever, or he was a great defensive coordinator at Illinois. Went to Colorado would have been a perfect fit. That that moves the needle like this. Like Dion, he might be there if Dion didn't exist or Dion took yeah, the Auburn didn't job. Want to yeah. do it anymore? Yeah, yeah or yeah. Dion just decided he wanted to be at Jackson State. That's probably who they would have hired. Yeah, and it wouldn't okay. have it wouldn't have done anything. Not, okay. And that's no no offense to him. No, not at all. We hope he does well. Ruben Owens. This happened after our um, recording last week. Are you for scuba, Luben? <laughs> Excuse you? Do you know what that movie is? No. Because you didn't get my Sandy Lyle reference either. No. Have you seen the movie Along Came Polly? Yes. Okay. I've seen you, know, you know, in the Did you read the, Doug Howler's story? Which one? You should really read The Athletic. Doug Howler wrote a story. I'm sorry, I don't read every single story on the face of the earth like you. It was, it was the A1 story. Um, it was on the scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman, the basketball scene. He wrote it, and Ben Stiller just retweeted it, by the way. Wow, I gotta go read that. Yeah. So um So I, you did you understand my Sandy Lyle? No, because I was gonna say I have not seen it in probably about ten years. I need to go watch it. I saw it in the theater. 
Did you see it in the theater? I've seen it 1.9 million times. Okay, so I need to go watch it again. That's, that's um, Sandy Lyle is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Okay. Let's, and he hired a camera crew to follow him around in the movie to okay. make an e-true Hollywood story about yes, him, I, which is a I, reference you didn't get. You okay. probably thought I was talking about the golfer, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I was like, what the yeah. hell are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and I just said take it out because I didn't have the energy to explain it to you. Yeah. But um, well, as someone who's seen the movie, if I didn't get it, then a lot of people – that was not – that was, my writing isn't for everybody. Mine are for the people trust who are me, in the I know. know. I know. Oh, the, and the, the cool people, kids? The people who were in the know would have really appreciated it, and the people who didn't understand it would have just kept reading. Okay. Um, they probably thought, why is Ari talking about a, a golfer, a Scottish golfer or whatever? Yeah, story. no, I'm talking All about right. Sandy Lyle. Okay, let's we keep he getting sidetracked. crazy as hell on those bagpipes. Yeah. Ruben Owens uh, committed to Louisville over the summer. We probably gunned to our heads, thought he's not going to sign with Louisville, but time went by and Louisville turned it around and Scott Satterfield was no longer on the hot seat, we don't think, and hey, maybe he'll end up there. Then Scott Satterfield wakes, we wake up Monday morning last week and Scott Satterfield's the coach at Cincinnati, but um, as Ruben Owens told Grace Rayner, uh, basically he was committed and then was talking to the running backs coach, Darrell Sims, and, and Coach Sims told Ruben, hey, I'm not going to stay at Louisville. I'm going to, basically, I'm going to Cincinnati. And that's when Ruben Owens decommitted. So he might have stayed committed, had his running backs coach, and then later that night goes to Texas A&M. No surprise that he's not going to Tex- uh, Louisville. No surprise he's going to Texas A&M. Who would have thought that there was a little bit more to it than just NIL? Yeah, that's... True. I know NIL was a part of it. I'm sure it's a part of it at A&M, but... But we had heard. Sam Condon told us that, like, that he really liked it up there. He formed a lot of really relationships. Yeah. yeah. He tattooed the area code on his body. So, um, yeah, that's it's just a tough look uh, for Louisville, and I'm very excited to see what happens with the rest of their classes. They've got some studs there uh, from California that are still committed, right? Like Pierce yeah, Clarkson's, Clarkson's still committed. I think DeAndre Moore still committed, yeah. So maybe they'll still be able to hold on to those guys. But, you know, hey, what about A&M, though, huh? Yeah, signing good players. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if you were any position uh, as a five-star prospect, you uh, would want to play running back in that offense. Like, Devin A-Chain was incredible this year. And even though it was a disaster of a season for them, like, they ran the ball pretty well with him. So, yeah, I don't care what offense you play in. Like, there's a spot for a good running back. Yeah, it's like – if you can carry the ball and get six yards of carry, like right. it doesn't matter what it looks like. So, <laughs> right, right, um, yeah. With with A and M specifically, you know the type of class that they're going to do uh, this year, I think is going to be very telling in terms of um, you know how they're building it because they've lost a lot of people in the portal. I think it's up over twenty now, and no real uh, contributors in terms of starting uh, this past year. So you know they still have a lot of those pieces from last year's class intact, but. You know, this is going to be a very big offseason for A&M to see if they can continue to work toward being the team we thought they could be if they continue to recruit that way last year. And another news not surprising that you have been boldly predicting for months, Keon Keeley, five-star edge rusher. Top I like 10. to live on the edge. Yeah. Ari was – no one was saying this. Ari was bold. He said that kid, he's going to find something about Alabama he likes and he's going to sign there. I commend you, Ari. Yeah. I just like – you don't really see it very often, but I just had a hunch, <laughs> you know, that when a kid who decommitted from Notre Dame and immediately took a visit to Alabama ends up committing there, it's just something. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Alabama, I think now has over 10 or has 10 top 100 players. And I I'm think glad it's, you asked Ari, because I did the research. I didn't just guess like some people. Am I correct? 11, 11 top 100 Yeah. Are players. they the only program that has double digits? I 
I can look it up in a second. Oh, so you didn't do the research. Okay. I've got a yeah, I've got a chart. I just don't have that chart up right now. I okay, didn't. well, okay. go open the chart up because I think um, they're the only team that has ten or more. And uh, so. Number one class, solidified that number one class. They have three five stars. Their average player rating is 94.05. We've talked about this before. Last year's average player rating was 95. The top classes this year, at least so far, the average player rating is a little bit lower, which would suggest talents being spread out just a little bit more. Now, they, these classes can still add a top five. I mean, at five stars and get that, you know, I don't know the math well enough how it all works, but like if Alabama signs another five star, they're not going to go from 94.05 to over 95. I, don't, I wouldn't think. Well, Alabama already has 25 commitments, so it'd be okay. hard to get over 95 uh, regardless, but they only have uh, two five star prospects committed. Three, and, isn't, it, isn't it three? Do you uh, have their class open? I'm looking at their class now. It's down. Two. Okay. Oh, th it's three. Thank you. Justice Haynes. They have yes. uh, it listed in the wrong order. It's to go 6, oh, yeah. Sometimes 10, you 35, sword. 30. Like, That's yeah. weird. Um, I've never seen that before. So um, as of... Sort by rank. As of last... Yeah, as, as of last week, But didn't Alabama. they have six last year? So like they still have a, way, a ways to go before they get to that point. I don't know if they're going to get three more yeah. three more five stars in this group. Alabama was is the only team with multiple um, top 100 players. So um, You mean 10 top 100 players? Yeah, mul I say multiple double digits. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're one of only a few programs. Uh, actually, like USC has three five-star prospects. Oregon has two. Miami has two. Oklahoma Oklahoma's has seven two. top 100. Yeah. Oklahoma's Texas, two. Georgia, two. Alabama, one. I'm very curious if I go back and look at how many teams signed multiple five-star prospects a year ago, how that would have added up. I bet you it's uh, – maybe it's similar. I don't know. It's, but I think it is. I mean, so, A&M had eight last year. Alabama had five and Georgia oh yeah. had five. So, that's the, so they're hoarding. So like it's they not quite as dense at the top. Right, which is better. Um, Troy Taylor to Stanford. Um, just a quote that he had. It's kind of the anti Dion slash Colorado. He said he emphasized that every player on the team has a sincere invitation to remain with the program. Says he can't build a program on love and then start pushing players out the door. Just thought that was interesting about four days after Who Dion, said that? Troy Taylor, the new coach at Stanford. Oh, yeah. Do you know where he went to college? I don't. Cal. How Colorado. weird is that? No. Cal. Oh, yeah, I knew. I know. I was kidding. I, yeah. I, I did know that. It's a, he's recruiting against his rival. Yeah. Grace's story uh, ran a little bit too early. Honestly. I know. I know. I was like, coach, uh, I got an offer from Cal and Stanford. Why should, you know, why should I come play for you when I could go to Cal? And he's probably like, go to Cal. Go to Cal. I bet that's what he's doing. Yeah. He took the Stanford job only to help Cal, I bet. I mean, uh, I – man, Stanford is a sleeping giant to me. They were good for six, seven years. Yeah. A um, couple of notes. Dante Moore visits UCLA. See what happens there. I'm that's, excited about that. I would love for him to go there. UCLA is uh, – UCLA had made a call to DJ Uyunglele in the portal too. Um and I don't know for sure how that's going to pan out. Who'd you rather have? The five-star true freshman? Dante or Moore. DJ? Okay. Dante Moore. Dante Moore. A million times. Okay. Who would you rather have? Dante Moore. The guy who had to transfer out of his program because he's going to get his job taken from him? Or the right, five -star but, he, uh, but he, he has shown signs of life in Chip Kelly. Wouldn't you say Chip Kelly's a better offensive coach than what uh, he had at Clemson? Can Chip Kelly fix him missing swing passes four out of ten times? Maybe he could. Okay. I don't know. I, 
Maybe he could. Um, yeah, I mean, he would probably go put up numbers. Like, I mean, he's good, but yeah. like, who, you're asking me who I would rather have on my team. Dante Moore. Yeah. Because um, you know who else can coach him? The same coach that was coach DJ. Yeah. Um, I have a note here. I wanted. <laughs> I don't want to spend much time on this. We can just do it on another podcast. I just thought we should share with this audience. Do you remember when you and Landis on your Ohio State pod talked about which position you would play mm-hmm. that would least damage the team? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It was why so that so they I don't know who put it might have been a question from a reader. It was like, like if all of a sudden I was on the field, where would you put me to hide? Like if you guys? had to start Ari at one of the twenty two spots, <laughs> yeah. And like they went by, like if he was a cornerback, he'd get torched. Well, you could bring safety help, but that would hurt. And and I agreed with your answer. It's wide receiver because they like literally have to cover you because if they didn't cover you, they could just throw you the ball and you just I run like four yards. yards and fall yeah. down. <laughs> you could just keep moving the chains. But um, yeah, and they so, can kept uh, keep running opposite side of me. So like what, my on blocking. defense, I'd say linebacker. Because you can just kind of hide there. I mean, it'd be basically 10 on 11, but like you're not going to put you. If I was a linebacker, I might get like switched up to cover somebody, though. Well, you can, I think you can scheme around that. Yeah. Like, I mean, but linebacker. I wouldn't be able to tackle anybody. Right. So it would basically be 11 on 10, but you wouldn't like they wouldn't torch you down the field. I think or, that it would have to be a huge an, hole. Like it would have to be an offensive position because if you put the wrong person <laughs> in on defense, yeah. they can exploit that defensive deficiency every single play of the game. Yeah. So. Uh yeah no I don't know what made you think of that but that is funny yeah I, I remember I remember I was I was on a run listening to that podcast laughing out loud and some lady looked at me from like <laughs> walking like I was like oh it's just Landis and Ari talking about Ari playing wide receiver yeah so, I mean I'd be the worst wide receiver in the history of the organized football yeah. and maybe backyard football too but uh yeah that was like we were trying to determine which position was the least uh important in the recruiting realm but like i mean the truth is is that like i mean you could make the case that quarterback would be an answer too because you if you hand, played you just hand the ball off and just try to play you just like iowa won nine games that way <laughs> last year <laughs> true um i, I think ha- i could throw a few 10 yard outs yeah i don't know um florida nice week for florida nothing tangible that i'm aware of in the 23 class but 24 five-star quarterback dj lagway committed from texas i know usc was involved thought they had a chance there so it's that was a that was an oh by the way florida got a five-star from that, that kind of slipped it was like right when the dion stuff was happening i think it was it was kind of under the radar like we didn't even talk about it um then they had samson okinola and in town UCF commit John Walker, French top 100 player, I believe, defensive lineman in town. They seem to be trendings for for Mark Fletcher, the running back, former Ohio State commit. So your your Gators look like they could be uh, closing strong here. Yeah, you know, I was starting to worry about them a little bit. Uh, not going to lie, they, but if they can close strong, you know, this is the most important thing. I was also like watching. Speaking of Gators, this isn't recruiting, but I was like, I read McShay's uh, mock draft that he released for mm-hmm. next year in 2023. You should and read Dan, Dan Brugler. I, I read all of them. Okay. I, I, mock drafts are as in, contagious and infectious to me as they are to everybody else. And he had Anthony Richardson going number 11 to Carolina. Wow. Which I thought was like awesome because like I get it. Like I get why you would do that. But, um, you know, if they if they can get the talent onto the field um, – you know, that's the necessary first step because Florida, I think, in the composite ranking this year was 
number seven, which is lower than they typically are, but still pretty good. Speaking of quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson, who lost to Vanderbilt this year, trivia question. Can you name a current <laughs> can you name a current NFL starting quarterback who lost two games to Vanderbilt while he was in college? Um, I'd have to think about this. It's an SEC quarterback. No. Do they play a t- J E T S Jets 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 Mike White? Yes, Western Kentucky. I think I looked this up when it happened when he started a game last year. He was like the first player like ever or like in fifty years to start. I wouldn't have gotten that in a million years. I was going to guess an SEC quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and I was like. It's not Matt Stafford because they didn't beat Georgia twice. Uh, it's not Tua. It's not right. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I didn't know exactly. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, uh, stick with stars matter for recruiting information and random Vanderbilt trivia questions. Hey, that's exactly. You never know what you're going to get here. You know what um, I love? Because I know there's people listening to the show right now, too, that are like actually thinking about it, like with us. Like when when you ask me a yeah, question, I, when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm yeah. You know, it's my like mind, yeah. I wonder. Good for you, whoever's out there who got Mike White correctly, because that's I don't think there's anybody who got Mike White correctly. You got to be. I asked that to some of my venerable friends, and they didn't get it. Um, you could have let me sit here for three hours, and I don't think I would have gotten it. Well, you could. Did you know Mike White is starting for the Jets? I guessed Mike White before you said his name. You okay. said Jet. You yeah. you told me Jets, and I knew right. it wasn't. So the, so I think Zach in three Wilson. hours you would have got it. You would have gone through all you know all the teams. I've I have confidence in you. Yeah, two good podcasts. I listened to Bruce in in um, Stu's the Audible on Mike Leach, and I know you, Andy, and uh, David Ubbin had one this morning on the Andy Staples feed. Uh, so yeah, it's sad. That. It's really yeah. sad, bitch. You know. Yeah, I mean, just this feed, I think, in general, um, is kind of a happy go lucky, yes, (laughs) laugh out loud, grab ass type of feed, uh, because we don't try to take ourselves too seriously. But that was, uh, that was a tough podcast to do, it was rough. And I found myself like, you know, because Dave and and Andy knew him much better than I did, right? Um, listening to them talk as if I were listening to the podcast while I was on it. Um, I thought it was certainly worth the listen. And, you know, we lost an awesome football coach, but a, a very unique and loving person too. So, um, tough day. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and I, you know, I, there's no news. There shouldn't be any news, but I guess, um, who's the, I'm drawing a blank on the defensive coordinator, the young guy who was at within Washington state. Um, just drawing a blank. I would expect maybe him to get promoted to interim coach. I don't know if they'll go interim for a year or, or what, but that's just a, a tough situation. So a lot of flips. Zach Arnett. I, yeah. Zach Arnett. Thanks. Um, a lot of flips, as you would expect. William Watson, quarterback from Nebraska to Virginia Tech. Um, Dylan Edwards, as you wrote about Saturday night, running back from Notre Dame to Colorado. And if you haven't read his story, our story, go read the story. One thing that's very notable about that one is it's not just, oh, here's a good running back. Dion looked at the top 200 and grabbed a running back and said, let's get that guy. There was a family connection. This kid played for Dion's youth football teams before he moved to Kansas, kept a relationship with the dad. Dion tried to recruit Dylan Edwards to Jackson State. So this was not just some some random flip. Um, but Dylan Edwards decided that Colorado was the place for him because it was a power five school. So think about all the players right. that Dion Sanders has tried to recruit to Jackson State behind the scenes the last four you know, two years. So there's other good players he coached and they're and like, other good no players are like, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to go to the FCS level. I want to play in the power five. And it's like, now that he's at a power five school, that makes them dangerous. So I yes. know we had a lot of Dion talk already, but I'm, ex- I think that that was an indication of how a lot of players think. Go yes. read the story. Um, 
Hunter Clegg, edge rusher from Stanford to Utah. We talked about Ruben Owens, running back from Louisville to A&M. Day McCullough, safety from Cincinnati mm-hmm. to Oklahoma, along with his brother, Dayson, uh, who was a class of 21, top 100 player, class of 22, excuse me, top 100 player, spent a year at Indiana. Interestingly enough, their dad is a running backs coach at Notre Dame, and neither of them are playing for their dad, which is kind of cool to me. It's like it's probably like, hey, boys, you do your own thing. Um Braden Moore, athlete from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. That makes sense. Had been committed to Cincinnati. Now he's following his coach. Mason Robinson, this happened this morning. Defensive lineman from Baltimore, from or Maryland, from Northwestern to Penn State. A um, couple 24 notes. Texas Tech got a quarterback, Will Hammond, unranked um, from Texas in the DJ Lagway. One guy, another Colorado note, and I know we keep going back to Colorado that I found this very interesting. And I don't know if you read the Slack channel or, or th- that I put a note about this kid in there. Ari Taj or Taj T A J E McCoy, unranked edge rusher from Oklahoma City, unranked by 2247, three star by rivals, but a bunch of power five offers. You know who he reminded me of? Um, again, I'm drawing the blank. I'm just getting old. The running back you wrote about last year from Dallas who ended up at Georgia. Um, um, who kind of came on as a senior because he, you know, what made me think of him? His first, I think his first power five offer was from Missouri in September, and then he's got like, yeah, he, I, th- this uh situation I think is a little bit different because he was already starting to blow up throughout his senior season. But the running okay. back's name was Andrew Paul, yeah, Andrew Paul. So, so okay, so this this kid McCoy is a little bit earlier, but again, to not have not be ranked, he's unranked in the in the composite to have offers. I mean. I think Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt. He was on. He I didn't know that he came to Vanderbilt last week for a visit. But so, just kind of shows that Dion's not just going through and just trying to be Mister Stars Matter. I mean, there's a kid in Oklahoma City they really like, and 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 they grabbed him. I don't know what the connect. Maybe there was a connection to his high school coach. Uh, I think Grace is pursuing a story on him. Um, but I thought that was an interesting commit. Um, I just followed him on Twitter this morning. So if he could follow me back, so I could speak to him, that would be awesome. Okay, well, I think Grace is pursuing the story. I'll so. just resign. You don't need to resign. You just need to be a team player. Okay. That's that's it for the commits. One, th- I want to talk about a little tease story, a fun story we did that was published on Tuesday. We had a recruiting draft. We decided, you know, all the best players go to the, all the good teams. Like we just mentioned, what Alabama's 11 top 100 commits. What if there was a draft? So we took from Chris Vanini's Final regular season, 131, we went in inverse order for the Power Five, and we had 10 of us on staff divvy up the teams, about seven teams each. Ari Wasserman had the first pick for Colorado, who was the worst Power Five team, and did not take Arch Manning. Malachi Nelson leaving me for, with Arch Manning going to Northwestern. So rationale there, Ari, a guy you wrote about as the most impactful recruit in the history of the world? Yeah, I guess it would have been from that standpoint, like, I guess they probably should have taken him because don't say they. It was you. Yeah, I guess I should have taken them. Him. Him. Sorry, having a, a rough day with uh, with the pronouns. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, just for that standpoint, can you imagine Arch and Dion? I know. That, uh, the, <laughs> like I guess the, like that would have been my boulder might blow up. But you know, I was thinking more so on the line along the lines of, um, you know, going with somebody that I've seen play. And in Pac-12, too. I mean, that, Pac-12 that, footprint. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's some people or a lot of people who think that Nelson is the best uh, quarterback in the cycle. So 
you know, going into California and getting him. Like, that's the way I tried to view it. Like, I guess everybody could have just taken best available player, but I was also trying to take impactful players who could help, you know, in certain recruiting recruiting territories down the line that would be. But with Arch Manning, he could do it everywhere, like I said. So maybe that was a misstep on my part. Yeah. No, but this was fun. I think everyone should go take a look and find out who we took for for your team. And and I think our staff already did a good job of having fun with it. Like, I know Max Olson really tried to – you know he's very familiar with Big Twelve staffs and, and and tried to figure out what what made sense for them. Um, I'm familiar with Wake Forest. I just happen to know that they really like the, their quarterback Mitch Griffiths. The the I think is a sophomore, and they they probably wouldn't take a quarterback because he's their starter next year. So go get a wide five star wide receiver to play with him because they're losing At Perry. So I think we all did a pretty good job of trying to fill needs and leaning into some geography a little bit. Like Grace took a kid from North Carolina to help your guy Mac re- kind of. Put that fence yeah. around the state. That the fence has a lot of holes in it already right now. Yeah, my uh, favorite uh, pick was my pick. Shocking enough, but yeah. getting uh, Deuce Robinson to U of A. Oh yeah, you know the next Gronk. Like the Gronk connection and the fact that it's a Phoenix prospect in the state of Arizona. Um, but yeah, we we all tried really hard to actually put ourselves in a position of like, what would this program want and need, and how would it help? Um, and it was fun, and it was like made me long for a world where that existed. Cause like you would have really good players going to programs that have no shot at getting them. Right. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Alternate universe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is what it is. Um, one mailbag question that you answered, uh, we've talked about it in different forms and fashions, not really maybe in a top 10 list that you just kind of succinctly went through them. I just want to go over them here. Someone asked the top, the 10 easiest schools to recruit to. And I was trying to be devil's advocate. I don't know if I would have had them in the exact same order. Like if you asked me to do my 10, I think I might've had the exact same 10 order. Very similar. So you want to just go through your, I've got it right here if you want me to do it, but um, um no, I, I'll pull it up here. I'm pulling it up right now. So number I, one, I, I think Georgia is the no brainer. I've been, before they before Kirby got there, I've been saying George was the best job in the country. We've talked about this. Yeah. I know the athletic did that big best jobs thing a few years ago. But top Georgia, easiest schools to recruit to. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, LSU. Number four, Texas. Number five, USC. Number six, Alabama. Number seven, A and M. Number eight, Florida. Number nine, Oklahoma, and number ten, Clemson. The only one surprise – if I was going to push back on one of them, what do you think it would have been? You would probably put Clemson higher. No, I might not have them on there. I think Dabo oh. has created the monster at Clemson. Okay. Um, like, I don't know who necessarily I would put on there. Michigan? Is, it, is there one that you would take off? Is that No, what, Clem, that's my point. Like, Clemson, I don't know if I would have on there. And then you had him number 10. So what is your gripe? How could I possibly? You have a lot of gripes every no, time you I read said, my stuff. No, I did you hear what I just said? The lead in. I said, I don't think I would have anything different. I tried to be devil's advocate. But, but you really said, no- do you want to hear what I would change? So yes, I do. Right. There's only one team I said that I would remove, and I'm not even sure I would remove them. Like if you forced me to remove one, it would be Clemson. Because again, I think that's more oh. of a Dabo created monster. Yeah, and I also think that like 10 is a good spot to have it because you want to pay respect to what they are and who they are, Um, but you don't want to overvalue who they are. So it's it it was tough, and there's places like Florida State and, um, you know, Michigan and – I'd put Tennessee on that list too. Tennessee. Yeah, there's there's other places that you could make a case for. 
for sure. But, you know, as it pertains to, you know, a commenter left this comment, and I, I thought it was true too, is there's a major drop-off from one through five to the rest in terms of of difficulty, you know? And I guess I thought one through five was the easiest part of the mailbag to write, and I thought six through ten was the hardest part. So Yeah, I, I think you'd, you'd I think if you asked every coach in the country to put in their, like, silent ballot, 90% would have the same five as you. Yeah. Well, good. I'm I'm happy people don't get angry about it. Yeah. Again, that's, you know, there could be some, you know, bruised egos from a Florida State fan, a Michigan fan, Tennessee fan, Miami fan. On this list 20, 15 years ago, UCLA would be on there because I think at that point it's like Southern California, but the arms race wasn't as profound. Like the the the, the commitment, all of the their salary pool, all that stuff wasn't as big of a deal. Don't you think that like it's just as time's gone on? UCLA has become a more difficult job for sure. Yeah. Like when I was like, I just back when we didn't look at things like that, like how much are they paying their assistant coaches? Oh, you got to live in LA and you're not making a lot of money. Isn't it crazy that, uh, that there was a time in college football analysis where we didn't look at things like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, Jerry DiNardo said something profound once. I never even thought about it. Um, he used to come on the radio a lot in Nashville as a former Vanderbilt coach. Um, when he got to the Big Ten Network, and someone was asking him about facilities in the arms race. And he's like, when I got to Vanderbilt in 1991, it was my junior year, he goes, our facilities were just as good as LSU's. They were just as good as two-thirds of the teams in the SEC. It was at that point in the 90s when things started to take off and the money got crazy, and then all these schools started building and building and building. Um, but it really wasn't an issue until then. Yeah, and then now, the, now, 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 as you say, it's not as maybe as big of an issue because almost everyone has it. Everybody has good facilities, you know. And like that's the thing, like not to go back to Colorado, but like that struck me about like Dion was, you know, the the disparity between facilities and resources at Jackson State and even a place like Colorado, which you wouldn't really think, you know, would be a team that has it in the Power Five, and it's still night and day. So the fact that he, they have the resources at Colorado, you know, makes that place um, level playing field. Now, it might not be better than Oregon's or Alabama's or North. I mean, I've been to North Carolina's facility. It's insanely nice. Um, you know, who has a really good one is Kentucky. You know, oh, yes. places that you don't that you don't think, uh, you know, are power five powerhouses have really good facilities. Now, nobody's going to your program because of facilities. They might not go to it if you have bad ones. But there's not a lot of places that I think have have bad facilities. Like even Arizona has like a, an overhaul of their facilities. And, you know, really if a place has bad ones, you you kind of see, well, $250 million indoor field getting getting built, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not kind of a – it's not a thing that differentiates you from other, other places anymore. What did you think of the uh, – was it a tweet that I sent you about Kenny Dillingham when they got their commitment was like his eyes were like uh, flashing – Arizona State got a commitment or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I am going to try to write a story about the staff he's putting together. So, um, or is Grace doing that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, you make me laugh sometimes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make me cry often as well. But um, it's a lot of it's an emotional roller coaster. So, um, you ready for trivia? Yep. Okay. Last five college football playoffs. So 2000, including this year, from 2018 through 22. 
how many games or how many five-star quarterbacks started a game? And if you started multiple, you count twice. So how many count. years was it? You said five? Yes. So that's 20 total quarterbacks, yes. right? Yes. Uh, we, need some, we need some trivia background, like Jeopardy music or something like that. 15, so 20 quarterbacks. Uh, 13. Seven. That's it? Yes. 2022, J.J. McCarthy, five-star, correct? Yep. Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, not five stars. 2021. Uh, including this year. Bryce, I said that. Bryce Young, five-star. Non-five-stars, Cade McNamara, Stetson Bennett, Desmond Ritter. 2020, five-star, Trevor Lawrence, not five stars. Mac Jones, oh, my bad, bold, Justin Fields, it's eight. Yeah. Um, okay, you're, you're still five off. Um, no, I know, but like yeah, I, I thought. Yeah. Okay, Notre Dame, Ian Book, 2019, non-five uh, five stars, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, non-five stars, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts uh, at Oklahoma. 2018, five stars, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Non-five stars, Jalen Hurts. That's the game Tua came in, but Hurts started in an Ian Book. Ian Book started two playoff games, I believe. Yeah, I had uh, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence in my brain. And I was like, it has to be double digits because I can think of four <laughs> stars just of two guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's a cool stat. Yeah, so it's interesting that, you know, Michigan backed about, you know, Kate, what was Cade McNamara? Just, just your, your typical four-star? I th- thought it was a three-star. Oh, was he? Okay. Iowa's court. Did you see his tweet last night about Iowa? Yeah. He's, he's I wouldn't have shit. said that, but you you would have, you wouldn't have. I would not have. Okay. If that was too bold for you, then uh it's just not gonna be true, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was a four star, two hundred and sixty eight okay. overall. So from yeah. uh from Illinois? Uh no, that's where JJ McCarthy no, he's JJ from McCarthy's Reno, from Nevada, it says. Okay. JJ McCarthy's from Philly, right? Uh JJ McCarthy's from Illinois. Who's for oh no, it's um I'm getting my big ten quarterbacks. It's um Kyle McCourt's from Philly, right? Yes. Gotcha. Good. All right. Now we got that squared away. Okay. It was a good show, man. Yeah. We're proud of you. Yeah. We're quick, but good. Good. A little quicker than usual. Um, So we'll see what happens later this week. Probably maybe come back. Yeah, we'll we'll come back. Uh, We'll see how it goes and, you know, enjoy your editor's meeting. Which means I have a day off tomorrow, right? So as you call like Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday's my day off this week. Yeah. If it ends in a Y, it's your day off usually. You think so? No. While you were sleeping on Saturday night, I was writing in my living room and ignoring my wife. And I got for up the, Sunday, for the good of the brand. Got up Sunday morning at seven a.m. and put it on the site. You're right. Um, Teamwork. Thank you so much uh, for listening to the latest edition of Stars Matter. You're going to be hearing our voices, I think, a little bit more often <laughs> the next ten days than usual. But a lot happening and a lot to write about, a lot to cover, and we're excited to talk about it. We'll see you then. 